Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Your mind. It is the center of your life. It is everything you hear. Everything you see. That's for making me come to Mars. You wouldn't hurt me. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. We hope you enjoyed the ride. Jones Avengers Endgame that follows Joker, Wreck it, Ralph, Mama Mia, here we go again. Titanic 2, Jack's back, Seven Cents, Ghost Attack, Alien vs. Predator, except this on their friend. We'll keep watching the movies right up till our TVs break. So just crank up the volume till your speakers start to shake. You need a second take. Baby, you make me wish I had three hands. And I'm Sebastian. Don't fuck with your brain, pal. It ain't worth it. I'm Andy Shostler. And welcome to our review of Total Recall, the 1990 version, or the good version. You could phrase that however you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly true. There's a, there's a stack of movies that I love and enjoy time and time again, for which I've never seen the trailer. 
because I wasn't old enough to uh, see them in the cinema or even or even see the adverts on TV. Yeah, movie trailers never used to be played on TV. Oh, okay. I suppose they're not really now either. I guess you get them through like YouTube and stuff more so. To be fair, I don't watch enough regular TV to know, but I think you normally get like those yeah. teasers on TV, if anything, like those quick 20 second, here's the X-Men logo, we'll see you in cinemas. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's right. You know, this movie's on Sunday night or whenever the big movie night used to used to be. God, but I've, yeah, I've, I've, I, that, that trailer I heard for the first time. Yeah, it's not a- Just now, I've never- It's not great. It kind of, I think it's really misleading to the story that we actually get in the film. It's not, sorry, no, not misleading, like it's lying to us. I just think it really just focuses on Arnold Schwarzenegger running around a set shooting people. And then when you get to the actual story, you're like, oh no, there's depth. This is weird. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because 80s and 90s trailers uh, had this uh, sort of, used to be very literal in their, in the, this is the plot of the film. This is what's going to happen. Here are some shots of it. You know, here's the here's the proof. Come and see this movie. This is what you're going to get. Whereas this one, yeah, it focuses on Arnie, and that's what a lot of modern trailers do. They focus on the talent um, or the pull of the film rather than the story. You know, in fact, the more they can keep a mystery, the better. You know, it reminds me of so a little bit the um, last action hero trailer where it just kind of pitches up. Oh, Schwarzenegger's in an action film. Let's not talk about yep. all the real stuff the film's about. And Guns! Explosions! Yeah. It's just funny that it's him again do, that, that they're doing that with. I guess they must have assumed, and rightfully so, that he's such a big star. Like, you can really just pitch it all around him. People are going to come see it regardless. Whether they know what they're getting into or not is a different question. But Yeah. He can, he can pull it off. He can pull off being the leading man. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of his his better ones, I would say. Like his less cow hop. I like him when he gets into his later years and he gets a little bit more campy. Like I, I mean, I say later years. Like when he gets into like Batman and he's Mister Freeze or whatever. Like that stuff, I that's, do love because it's so stupid. That's but, an outlier. That's yeah. not. That's not. That's not typical of his career at the time. Uh, kindergarten Cop. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think we can- that's not over the top. He's. <laughs> You know, he's, he's with kids. He wanted to make a, a family film, and he's still he's still got the bad okay. guy. He was still a twins, a mess at the start of it. <laughs> what about twins? Are we there twins yet? is great. What's, twins isn't campy. I'm not saying he plays it's a bad. guy who is. Yeah, <laughs> it's not campy. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't describe it as campy. <laughs> so, this is a film that's based off a Philip K. Dick book. So, you know, well-regarded science fiction writer. We've unintentionally. I don't think. I think we've actually not reviewed any other films um under his banner but there are quite a lot um that you know a general audience has seen like minority reports my my go-to i love minority really yeah i'm not a huge tom cruise fan but i really like that movie i thought it was really well put together and weirdly visually very similar to next week's film when we do the 2012 total recall with colin farrell um funny you should mention that some interesting trivia on that yeah oh i'm sure there must be but also um, Blade Runner, obviously the f- first one. Um, yes. Based of a- do androids dream of electric sheep? Yep. yep. Um, the Adjustment Bureau, which I really do like, even though it stars the white bread actor Matt Damon. Um, it's yeah, like- I've never seen it. Have you seen Dark City? I think I, I think we made you watch Dark City actually. Yes. It's like Dark yes. City, except um, more. It's more government conspiracy and other reasons that I don't want to go into for spoiler's sake, um, as opposed to just like dark aliens, but it's kind of a similar 
a similar concept okay. of these people behind the scenes pulling the strings to make everyone else work in a certain way. Um, so Kane Dick certainly uh, set the base for a lot of good 80s and 90s sci-fi. Yes, yeah, he definitely did. Um, and like I, said, I could honestly just keep going. He did you know, A Scanner Darkly as well. Um, but like, heaps and heaps of films have come from this, this one writer. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, they all kind of look similar in the end. I don't know. I think just, whole, uh, just at least with the modern ones, I think Hollywood was just like, yep, this is how things should look for his movies. And they just ran <laughs> with it because they do get visually very very similar as time goes on. I think that's just the trope of sci-fi, that people expect it to, to look a certain way and feel a certain way. I know, but they and all look like they could fit in together. Um, and I mean, not to jump on it, but like even to the point of, I believe, and I was reading that they were originally looking at doing a, a minority report sequel to uh, to um, the, this, this movie today, Total Recall in which Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the, the star coming forth, but then they would tell the Minority Report story. Minority Report, yeah, was going to be the sequel yeah. for, for Total Recall, but was developed into its own project. Which is <clears> fine <throat> with me because of course, I like the one that came out, but that's good. Uh, the Minority Report or the Total Recall? Both. As in, like this, this, this total recall mm, and my so I'm afraid that's incorrect. Batman. Oh, I'm sorry. You do not get to stay on as uh, as the carryover champ. Uh, enjoy the home game. We'll see you next. <laughs> you didn't like you don't like Minority Minority Report. No, total recall. It sucked. No, 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 no. Sorry, I like this one. I we'll talk about the next one next week. But I like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh no, Minority Report was okay. Yeah, yeah I liked it. Yeah, it's fine. I haven't seen it recently, but it's good. I, I assume. Anyway, we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was going to say, I assumed iRobot was part of this series, but I'm an idiot. It's Isaac Asimov. I just assumed visually and honestly, the story that's told in it, it feels like it would fit right in with um, Philip K. Dick's work, but it does not. I'm a moron. I'm a big dum dum, and you found me. So. Well, actually, Isaac Asimov was a pen name for Philip K. Dick. Was it? N- no. No, of course not. No, I was like, it can't be because it's, <laughs> no. it's it's too well known. Like, what's that? What's that? Uh, that name that Stephen King releases some books under when he doesn't want to be Stephen King. Oh, um, oh, you know, I don't know, but yeah, same, same, it's the same sort of thing. But it's not that. It's not that at all. Me. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're talking Total Recall, the 1990 version. Yes, the with good- Arnie getting his ass to Mars, the good ones. Yeah, the- uh, seven point five IMDb. It's well loved. Eighty-two percent critical score on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventy-eight percent audience. Uh, so I think you know an average of eighty percent. That's a pretty good, pretty good mark for a movie. I think that's accurate for the film. Yeah. It's not flawless. Uh, it's not brilliant, but it is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's on the long side, I'll say. In fact, both of these films are on the long side, um, but this one is definitely more digestibly on the long side. <laughs> you don't feel it in the, in, in this one. Uh, and I remember years back, I was talking with a friend of mine about it. He mentioned the uh, the score mm-hmm. just and just remarking that you know the sign of a good score when you don't really pay attention to it because it feels... It, it, it matches the, the, the theme and, and what's going on the screen so well that you don't notice the music going on. Yep. It's, it's certainly there. You're, you're aware of it, but it, it's just so, so seamless, it doesn't stand out. 
Yeah, and I would, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is quite a good score. I was just having a quick look uh, at Schwarzenegger's um, filmography just to see what he was doing around this period. And good golly, yeah. it's not, I mean, this is not going to impress anyone really. Obviously, very, very successful actor, but he had a really <laughs> strong three years or three, four years. Um, twins, yeah, twins in 1998, twins, yeah. Total Recall and Kindergarten Cop in 1990, and then Judgment Day yeah. in 1991. Like, that's a yeah. strong yeah. hit. Um, and then, of course, yeah, yeah. And this wasn't even this wasn't even his first sci-fi. I mean, he did Running Man a couple of years before that. I think that was eighty-seven or eighty-six. Eighty-seven, yeah. Um, eighty-seven, and Running Running Man is another terrific, terrific film. That's horribly campy, but in a but in a, in, a, in, a, in a such a loving way. Oh, you know, only only Arnie could 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 bring it to life the way that he does. Is this a remake, Running Man? I don't think so. I think it's based off um, another another Philip Pentic, uh story. I don't know that for sure. Is it, is uh, the Running Man's not a remake of Logan's run. I'm just being an idiot again, aren't I? No, not really the same. Thing. I'm just being a moron, yeah. That's not right. really. In, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd love it because it's people being uh, sent for uh, for combat on television. That's what I um, want my people as, to as, do. As part of their prison sentence. Yeah. <laughs> They're executed by, by pro wrestlers. Oh, good. I'm having a bit of a... a <laughs> you <now>. love it. <laughs> All right, you can continue. Sorry, I'm, I'll have a read through this. Uh, this film had a budget of $65 million. At the time, it was the second most expensive film ever made. Um, and, God, 1990 release production must have started in 89. So $65 million 30 years ago would have been, would have been quite a sum. But it made it back uh, four times over. With a worldwide gross of two hundred sixty-one million. Oh, there you go. Very popular film. Very good for Arnie, and yeah, he just kept on, kept on being box office gold. I don't think he ever stopped. I don't think he's ever had a flop. I can't. I mean, not with his. I mean, maybe lately if he's La- doing last action hero. Experience. I think was the, was the one that came the closest. Yeah. Oh, Running Man's a Stephen King book. That's even more confusing. Stephen King. There you go. Okay. But uh, yeah, fairly certain is based on something. It wasn't an original idea. Yeah. Okay, what is happening here? So this one, this one too, Total Recall was not, it's, it's based off uh, We Can Remember For You Wholesale by Philip K. Dick. And when the writers, uh, Ron Schusset and Dan O'Bannon, were first working on it in the 70s, they realised it would be far too expensive with the technology and, and um, practices at the time to make it. So they shelved it um, and focused on another little project about a monster terrorizing a spaceship. Don't know if you've heard of it. Alien. Uh, I'm vaguely aware of that. Who were the people that yeah. decided to push this one back, sir? Who was it? The writers, Shusset and uh, and uh, O'Bannon. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Awesome. So they, so, so they wrote Alien. Um, O'Bannon also wrote Heavy Metal. Have you seen Heavy Metal? Heavy Metal. It rings a bell. I'll have a bit of a peek. But come, go on, anyway. <laughs> It's it's animated and it's freaking awesome. No, I have not seen this. I, I can tell you straight from the um, well, there you go. straight from the screen <laughs> captures. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but we have these guys to thank for the alien for the alien franchise um, and for this Total Recall as well. Okay, um, it's one of the first one of the first films to use CGI, especially in that security scene where you uh, have the X ray. Uh, the X-ray panel, and everybody walking past, you see their skeletons and any weapons or anything that they're hiding underneath. Um, but it was also one of the last Hollywood films, major Hollywood films, to use miniatures. 
Okay. So it was right on that, right on that uh, transition. I was wondering, there was this one big zoom out at the end of the film when every, when they've won and Mars is fine again. And yeah. I was watching it because people like walk out into the balcony and then we get this ridiculously huge zoom. And normally I think nothing of it, but I'm like, this movie is very old. How the hell did they do this? And I was trying to work no, out. Miniatures and matte paintings. Matte paintings was what I was thinking, but it must be miniatures as well. Yeah. yeah. Some very clever tricks that people used to have, and now it's all digital. And I don't know. I I like it less than <sighs> miniatures and, and matte paintings. It, it seems like, but not just more of a challenge. It seems more real. Yeah. You know, somebody's actually put put the effort in rather than just you know putting a, an electronic brush over the thing and making it look perfect. Or hell, even plugging in an, an algorithm and just letting the the algorithm generate the entire world for them based off some parameters. It's funny. Um, I, I mean, personally, I always find it works best when there's a bit of a blend, when you do have some practical stuff in the same shot, but you've enhanced bits of it with a bit of CGI. And that way you kind of, I think it falls into this lovely middle ground where things just look good. But maybe I was, I guess, I guess the real, the real trick is to make it is, is to make people question whether it's there at all. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it blends so, so well that you can't tell. They've got these cameras they're now they're using. I was watching this, um, the special effects show on YouTube and they're going into it where the camera, so the the actors are standing on the, on a ground, a set on a green screen or whatever. Um, the cameras have the backgrounds preloaded into them. Yeah. So when they're right. shooting, when they move the camera around, like it wouldn't like virtual reality, the background actually oh. stays in the correct perspective for the angles that the camera is moving to. So, also oh, for the dailies, they can see the finished, more or less the, the finished product. Yeah, so they can make sure that were they standing in the right spot. You know, how would the lighting be affected by this and that prior to going into it? Uh. Maybe they're, so they're, they're literally like you know rotating the camera around like crazy, and it's just this fake cliff that is nowhere near set because it's just you know green <laughs> green sheets is just moving around, so you can see under the rocks, above them, to the side, and all that. And the actors are just on set doing their thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I, like, I don't mind that. It's yeah, so not not the answer that you want, that's Andrew. Really it does cool. seem like it's moving in the other direction still. <laughs> uh, that's that's fine. I mean, that's that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah. I have I have personal preferences, and that's you know, there's nothing about that that is right or wrong. It's just the way it is. Yep. So, I guess I like my artists to actually do some work. See, hey, VS, uh, doing special effects takes a long time. Like, it's not an. I don't think it's as easy as just like click, render, <laughs> leave. Like, hours upon no, hours. No, no, certainly not. And and for somebody who uh, you know can can write a program that will generate a world and it will look lovely and pretty and you you know create gorgeous backgrounds and such. That's that's a skill in itself. I'm not. I'm not criticizing any of that. I'm just saying sometimes it looks fake, and I don't like it when it looks fake. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Absolutely. So we apparently got a, a really weird cut in Australia to begin with. Not the cut that I watched. I watched the um the heavily unrated cut, which was um. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I should say I know I have not actually seen this film prior. I was aware of this film. Um, didn't grow up on Arnie films. To be honest, like we had a couple here and there, but I do have a bit of a blind spot. Not as big as my Disney okay. film blind spot, but it's, it's a blind spot nonetheless. Um, so I kind of went in knowing that this film was about somebody getting memories implanted. And I knew that it would go okay. wrong in some way and it was an action film because Arnie was in it. So I had a, a very you know bare bones idea going in. Um, okay. But yeah, apparently in Australia, we got a heavily censored cut um, when it first came out. I'm not surprised. Um yeah. I had a list there. So 
the, the as it reads, so as on with RoboCop, which came out in '87, the theatrical release of Total Recall in Australia was M-rated, censored version, as opposed to the USA R cut. Um, so for outside of Australia, M is recommended um, for 15 years and older, but technically a two-year-old could walk in and see an M film without an actual <laughs> adult. So there's no, it's, it's, it's one of those recommended ratings rather than one of those enforced ratings. Um, I remember I was, I was a teenager when they tweaked the ratings a little bit and they introduced a new MA, yes. which locked in, you had to identify as 15 years old to get in. Uh, but before that, M it wasn't really questioned. You know, you might get the stink eye from a you know snooty cinema operator or whatever if you happen to go to a private one. If you're in a chain, they didn't really care. But probably someone M- your age serving you anyway. With MA, if you, if you were under 15, you could see it with an adult or guardian with you. So once again, no, yes, you yes. weren't locked out. It was only specifically for R-rated films in Australia where you had to be 18. Oh, no, but somebody, story. somebody had to show an ad. An ID, whereas just for an M rating, it was recommended, and but that, but that was it. You weren't you weren't denied a ticket if you were there with other yeah under fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, massive recuts. Um, specifically, it did note uh, note um the fight in the bar in on Mars um was edited out, especially uh, with particular note of the of the stabbing. Uh, Benny's death is cut. Well, severely cut. It says a frontal shot of the three-breasted woman has been cut to. To be behind her, which ruins the entire joke, because you can't, so you can't, yep. you laugh at what you can't see. Um, yep. And the second last shot of Cohagen's expansion is shortened, so when he explodes at the end, they cut away that. Those were yeah. Beetlejuice-esque scenes, by the way. <laughs> That's the, the almost claymation of them suffocating. Um, they were great. The, the people doing the prosthetics really outdid themselves in this one. There was one when the mutant. Uh, I forget, like the pro, the the main Quartu? Quartu, yes. Where the it was definitely just a man in a suit at some point, and when the when, when the host body went claymation, it, it, but then he kind of turns yeah, he, back. He turns around, <laughs> but it, it, it's just a guy, and then he turns around, and it's just like he's got this backpack on his chest. Yeah. Which is fine. You let it slip because okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the movie The Thing, and I'm I'm all down for these sort of makeup effects. It's fine. There's not a criticism. It was just like it really took me out of it a couple of times. But they really yeah. did look quite good. Like it, they all looked exactly who they were meant to look like. And it's a 30 year old movie. Oh god, it's a 30 year old movie. I didn't even click what year it was. 30 year old movie. Yes, yeah, so it really holds up considering. <laughs> good job, you did it. Certainly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, any other notes well, of trivia on your end that you thought were pretty cool? Or? Only that uh, Patrick Swayze was originally cast to play uh, Doug Quaid uh, under director Bruce Beresford. Um, but then Dino De Laurentiis went bankrupt. Uh, Carol Coe picked it up uh, when Arnie got involved. And yeah, Arnie got the, got the lead at that point. Not um, a huge so, fan of Dino, uh, to be honest. <laughs> originally, Doug Quaid was written as an, as a, as an accountant as a scrawny accountant type. Oh, just like um, his character in Jingle All the Way, where it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, but he works just- Exactly you know, right, mild-mannered. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, but Arnie, but Arnie got involved. They changed it around to be a construction worker. And I think it works a lot better because it, it, um, it, it the contrast between, you know, this lowly, replaceable, whoever, uh, construction worker versus this super critical, super important spy that has 
you know, is, is running this entire conspiracy. I'm going to say that the Lego movie steals that because it's all about, uh, you know, a very low tier construction worker who finds out that he's actually this huge special person, but he doesn't know what's going on in his case because he's a moron. Um, I think it's, I think it definitely worried. I can do that. <laughs> I've never picked up on that. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's intentional or just BS. I'm going to say it's BS that I made up just then, but it does match up a little bit, so I'll also take partial credit. Um, yeah, all right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a spin-off the, the hero's quest, you know, oh, where, yeah. where the hero, like, like Star Wars and all that, you know, the it's a it's a nobody who discovers there's something you know important about them, and then they um, keep developing that to ultimately you know serve the goal of whatever is going on. So you know, it, 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 the whole story hinges around them discovering who they are. I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead, but I do want to posit the question: um, Do you yeah. have a stance? We don't have to tell me what it is just yet. But do you have a stance on this film as to whether or not it was real or not? I don't think you could watch this film without having that conversation. And every time I do watch it, I do have this conversation. Yes. Oh uh, no! It's, I know it's coming. I was just curious if you you do have a stance or not. <laughs> I did have a very firm stance until I, I was watching it this morning with uh, with my wife and she mentioned something that I hadn't heard before which kind of made me question whether whether or not it uh, it was real okay. um, but I'm, I'm I'm I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah we'll get we'll get into that towards the end I would say because I all right. I have a, a firm stance. I mean, I'm open to hearing your ideas. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I because it's one of those films that does really leave it up to you in the end. But I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm less firm than I was going in, and I had been for a decade. Oh god! Uh, but, I'm, but I'm still but I'm still most definitely in one camp. Oh yeah, this is this is a film I, I grew up with. Um, oh, of course, I certainly didn't see it when it was first released. Um, but certainly by the time I was an adult, I'd seen it once or twice. Uh, it was one of my, my dad's uh, favourite films as well. Um, and I've seen it multiple times. I love watching this film. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see this when it was first released because I, I was a year from birth, but that's that's its own reason. <laughs> I actually have, have a, one of my earliest memories uh, was I think I'm seeing this film. It's either this one or Robocop, but I think it was this. Just sort of stumbling into the lounge room, my parents and a couple of friends were watching this. I can't remember what scene it was. I think it was one of the um, one of the, the, the bar fight uh, scenes, uh, and they quickly shooed me out of the room, and that was and, and that was it. And that's it. That was your taste of that was your taste of freedom, and you lost it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least they didn't lock me in the room. You know, they tried to placate me with you know some toys or something, and I yeah. got very inquisitive and needed to see where everybody was. Right, now, my fault, really. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do you want? Or to, maybe I was just hungry. I <laughs> do we want to jump into the review, into the actual movie? Then we start off with a dream sequence. I hate dream sequences. Well, you're going to love the beginning of the next know, film as well. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know why I hate them, but. It just seems it just seems like a like a cop out. I know they can be very cleverly done, and I I quite like um, the the better fake outs. Like you're watching a thing, and it turns out it's an instructional video. Yeah, you know something something like that. 
<clears throat> I, I appreciate that a lot more than just a stream, straight dream sequence where you where you see something fantastic and the next scene is somebody you know shooting up, sitting up from from a sleeping going <clears throat> like yeah. that. I hate that. I hate it. But the dream is Doug Quaid with this uh, brunette woman on Mars. They fall, their spacesuits crack, and they you know die of decompression. I think it's called foreshadowing, Andrew. <laughs> Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, so Doug, Doug has a conversation with his wife, Sharon Stone, um, and we find that Doug is super, super obsessed with Mars. Yep. I mean, it's inexplicable. His wife hates it. He, he says to her, you know, we should move to Mars while he's watching a report about all the terrorist shit going down there. To be uh, fair, and, and, and she, if I had the option to move to Mars... Just for the sake of <laughs> saying I went to another planet, I think that'd be very tempting, right? Like that's a even even with the threat of terrorists. <laughs> I, there's always a threat of terrorism. Obviously, I don't know how high the what, what, what the uh, the rating was for Mars at the time, but like I went I went to Japan in January, and Japan's not like on fire, but there's always a threat of terrorism everywhere you go. You just gotta that's do true. it or don't. I mean, it sounds like Mars had one colony, so it's like saying, I'm going to go to just Tasmania and there's terrorism. Maybe that's a bit too small of a proximity. Well, to this. <laughs> well we find out throughout the film, there are, there are little snippets, but there's this news report going on and it's the, the conversation Doug is having with his wife is being played over the top. So it's something you maybe have to watch several times over just to kind of get what's going on in the news report. But we find out from the news report that the uh, the Mars colony is run by the Northern Bloc. Presumably on Earth, it's, it's, it's a Northern Bloc and a Southern Bloc, and they're at war with each other. Yep. Um, the Northern Bloc colonized Mars, uh, and they mine Tabinium there, which is helpful for their war effort. They need that to presumably to you know uh, function in some sort of weapon or as an explosive or whatever it does to offset the um, numerical superiority of the southern bloc. For whatever reason, they're at war with each other, and the Mars colony helps fuel that war or helps the northern bloc you know win that war or keep the south at at bay. We find we find all that out. Um, Doug is obsessed with Mars for some reason. Uh, but his wife poo-poo's the whole idea. Let's just go on a holiday. Forget it. Don't want to do it. Doug goes to work, has a chat with his with his friend, and says, "I'm thinking about going to recall an ad that he saw on the train there. Uh, they can do your memory implant. None of the danger of of going. That's great. That'll satisfy his need to go to Mars without actually going there and disappointing his wife. Uh, and he can he can do it. But Harry says, "Don't do it." Don't fuck with your brain. A friend of mine did it. He got himself nearly lobotomized. Uh, it's a bad idea. Don't go. And then gives him a little stink eye, and you kind of go, oh, I don't know. Is he, is, he, is, he, is he genuine, or is there something going on? Andrew, mm-hmm. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation between these two characters, because I have some good news for you next week. <laughs> oh, I hate what they did to... to, to Yep. We'll talk about that next week. But yeah, we will. It's, just, it's, it's a good one. I can be in my happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to remind you of horrible things no. that are coming. <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time on this, but this is this is important. Um, Doug then makes an appointment, goes to recall, speaks with the uh, with the guy there. Now, while he's there, um, he's saying, I just want the Mars package, no extras. 
But the guy says, we do extras, we have these extra options. Doug selects, he, he spots that there's a secret agent uh, extra, right? Yep. He's not, he's not cued by the salesman to do that. Like, he puts the, the thing up, but Doug chooses to do that. Um, then he goes through through the whole through the whole plan. You're gonna, you know, I don't want to give anything away. He says, but uh, you're gonna you're gonna be the hero. You're gonna get the girl. You're gonna save the planet. And what does he even he even when says some line of? Um, oh, maybe I'm thinking of the new one. Was there some line about um, you can be a secret agent for this team or this team or both or something? Like he actually says, there's there's some line. No. Of, I- Oh. I don't think I don't think there's anything like that. Maybe he alludes that you know you could be a double agent or something, but I don't I, I don't think there's anything any foreshadowing for that yet. I'll I'll, I'll look on my end. You keep going, Maybe. sorry. Cause it, I remember there being something, but it might have been for the second movie. But there was some it line. Could be the new one. Yeah. So he's, so he's stepped into the machine. The techs are having a conversation in the background and asking him questions as well, and saying, "Be honest um, with what you with what you like. You'll have um, uh, you'll have a great time. We need to know so that we can program the thing." He. It talks about his uh, sexual preferences and identifies, uh, uh, you know, the, the model that they pick out. When you see a picture of it, it's the same girl that he was dreaming about. So now you're kind of thinking, okay, is he's a bit groggy at the time, and you're thinking, okay, is this, is this, um, is he imprinting his memory of of this dream on the girl, or is there something else going on uh, behind it? We don't quite know yet, but it's but it's the same girl. Yep. Um, and then and they, and they're talking about as well. It's, it's, it all happens very quickly, but it's but it's there. There are images flipped up um, of the of the alien cabin that we'll see at the end of it. They're talking about alien artifacts and oh, blue sky on Mars. That's a new one. So all the all these clues are there for you know for the ultimate resolution: is it real or is it not? It's a very right thing to, to do to for me. Um, yes. Yeah. Here's the plot in the first ten minutes of the film. Good luck catching it as it happens, which is good. I, I don't mind. And this is a good thing. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a very good way to make a film. I really appreciate when the director says, "I trust you to be clever." Here's all the clues. I'm going to play it out for you. Tell me what you think. Yep, perfect. No, like no, it's really good. So I've spent so much time on this setup because from here on in, it either is or isn't real. Yep, nope, you're absolutely correct. The second the thing's plugged into his arm, <laughs> it's, that, 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 this is the point where you're like, well, this is it or not, right? Exactly right. Okay, so immediately after that, the implant goes wrong, alarm bell sounding, um, he's busted a memory cap, he's got a schizoid embolism, uh, and the salesman basically says, wipe his memory, um, you know, we'll cover up any knowledge, any any uh, connection with him whatsoever, we'll dump him in an alley. He's on his own, and we're in the clear. Yeah, refund his money and get him out. <laughs> get him out. <laughs> okay, so this is—I'll bring this up because depending on what you think from that mo- that moment of insertion, where he's either it's a memory or it's it's a, sorry, it's an implanted memory or it's the plot of the film, like whatever if, it, if it's happening okay. or not does matter in a sense that we're seeing scenes that he would have no memory of because he's unconscious. If the film... That's true. I'm not... I still think what I think for different reasons, but and, it, and it, there's two choices here. It's from a narrative perspective to us, the audience, they don't want to tell a story that is just framed around his conscious moments because it's a bit limiting in that way. 
like I can see why that would they wouldn't do that as a th- as a you know an artistic choice, but also <laughs> in theory, if you were trying to convey that it was a dream, but also leaving a bit open, you would stick to the only only the scenes that he was present for, right? Like we cut to at the very end towards the film, we cut to the two bad guys when they think they've won sharing a beer and Quaid's nowhere near them. And it's like, well, why are we seeing this if it's fake? <laughs> like, does he- That's true. But yeah, especially while he's conscious during this moment as well. It's like he's knocked out and we're now cutting to something else. Like, anyway, it's just worth noting. But it's, but- but it's, it's also an instrument um, to fit in with the story narrative to tell us things that Quaid would know already. You know, but, but but you can't just say, oh, and by the way, Quaid knows all this stuff is happening. You weave it in, and and, and it becomes a you know a cut scene in the story. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to complain. This there because it can it, it can yeah. literally just be there for the sake of telling us a story and not necessarily telling us this specific way the story angle that it's going for as well. And I think it is more of that part, maybe. And that's and that's possibly one point in the camp of this is fake. Um, you know, this is this is just uh, an alternate reality that that Doug is imagining. It's possibly a point for that, um, but I think that's. Too I think it's a point that's real. To be honest, I think it's a point that it's real that people are doing things while he's not around to see them. Like, why do they exist? As well, yeah, as well. I I think it's I think it's too literal an interpretation of what's going on because yeah. it is you know a part of the story for the audience that it's that it's happening. I don't think it has any bearing on whether it's real or not. Yep. Oh, anyway, continue on. Sorry. So Harry uh, leaves there. He has the he, he has the freak out. Needs to needs to get out and go home. On the way, he's intercepted by Harry, who tells him, um, "You're blabbed. You're blabbed about Mars. You've you, you've blown your cover." He and three other goons take him off to the uh, to to a corner of the metro, and basically line him up against the wall. They're, they're going to kill him. He manages to defeat all of them. In a scene that I like. Um, because it it feels very real, like this is just a street fight. He's been he's been kind of snatched up uh, while he's while he's walking on on the metro. They're in a little corner here. He's a big tough guy. He could probably take on four guys who are also just you know whatever. They don't have special guns. Okay, maybe they're maybe they're um, hitmen or bodyguards or whatever. But you know they don't have tactical training necessarily. They're certainly not geared up for it. I am sensing some uh, unhappiness with this same scene in the next film from what you're describing about this film. It's <laughs> very interesting that you bring that up. <laughs> but there will be some stark contrast with what happens in the remake and the reboot. <laughs> it just seems like all the things you specifically like right now are the things that don't happen next time. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how that works? Oh, out? wow. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing that you picked that up. Oh, okay. I thought I was covering that really well, Sam. Yeah, no, you can't, no, oh. can't see by me. I'm, uh, I'm alert today. <laughs> but the point is, this one, it's still believable, right? It's it's feasible that Arnie, as big as he is, could potentially fight off four guys who are assaulting him. Yes, right? and if you buy in that he is, not, he is a secret agent for real, of course he can. Yeah. And even if he's not, well, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's yeah, that's that's that, that's exactly right. There's, there's there's still ambiguity. I think that's a very important word for this film. Whereas it's ambiguous. I, I, I don't want to get into the next film, but in the next film, uh, he's got like not not superpowers, but he's effectively like a fucking Jason kung Bourne. fu master. Yeah, Jason Bourne. So yeah. he's yeah. instantly 
like literally, and he does a thing where he takes out like six people and then he's like, what did I just do? Like, it was all like muscle memory effectively for that first scene. Yeah. And it's like, well, he's definitely at least a secret agent. <laughs> like, as a minimum. <laughs> or, he, or he takes like a judo class or something. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, he, he gets home. Um, he's having a chat with his wife who's saying, you went to recall. I can't believe you did that. They've messed with your brain. None of it's, none of it's true. And he holds up his bloody hands and says, does this look like it's... This is like a fake. Um, he's in the bathroom getting cleaned up. He comes out and there's somebody trying to shoot at him. The lights are off. He ducks down. He says, Laurie, get out of here. So he still doesn't know who's trying to kill him. But very quickly we realize it's his wife trying to kill him. They have a great scene uh, that ultimately ends with him escaping. Now, this is another key difference. I appreciate the wife's character in this film and what they do with her, that she's yeah. uh, effectively, she was an agent for this, the evil side of the com- uh, this evil side of the world here, and they kind the, of have the, her. The marriage. Oh, sorry. Yep. The marriage is a cover for her to remain close to him and keep a direct eye on him. Yeah, she even says, "I think Harry, ha- Harry as well. He's she's with him at home, and Harry's with him at work." Yep. She he gets her in like a headlock or something, and she explains, "I've only been with you for six weeks or whatever it is since you've been yep. implanted yep. here." She in both films kind of gives away. Yeah, you, you, this is all fake, fake memories. Every, your whole life is bullshit. You've been here for six weeks. Um, in exactly both, right. Yeah. And then she steps back in this film and she'll come up as sort of a recurring villain. In the in the other film, they really amp up that role and she is effectively, because the main villain is played by Michael Ironside in this film, who is fan-fucking-tastic. Mm-hmm. I love him in this film so much. His it whole really character is. doesn't exist next film. Next film, it's The Wife fills in that role. It was, yeah, it was amalgamated into Laurie's role, yeah, which I think is a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. It, 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 like, oh, I also do want to compliment, like compressing characters down so you don't have two characters hunting after this one person is a t- it, technically, it's a more ergonomic way of doing things. <laughs> economic, sorry. But God but damn. Is it, is it interesting for the, for the story? No, I, I liked it when it was, I liked, I mean, I was also bored over because Michael Ironside is once again, fantastic in this film. And we don't, but I can't say the wife was necessarily bad in the next film because she wasn't. It was just unfortunate. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's fine. We'll talk about it next week. It was just more so saying there are, there are key differences and I guess we'll bring them up a little bit this week and a little bit next week for, you know, retrospectively and looking forward. Now, while watching this, my wife pointed out something that I hadn't considered before. It Mm. was, it was the first time I'd heard of this. Everybody that Quaid sees after going to recall is either a technician that works at recall or, uh, or part of the, or, you know, people that he hasn't met before who are all part of the program. So they, they have, they have complete control over who he sees with the exception of his wife and Harry. They're the only two people he recognizes after this. Everybody else is new and potentially a programmed person. Yep. No, that's now, right. Yeah, and and that was that was another um, that was a thing I, I hadn't I hadn't considered before. Uh, she pointed out for the for the first time, and that's and that's a uh, that's a point that's a that's a hole in in it being fake because why would why would his wife and Harry have managed to seep in? I was thinking about it and thought it happens early on in his in his implant, so feasibly. It could be his own memory, like like you're dreaming. 
when you when you get random random stuff going on, your your brain tries to make some sense of it and tries to insert things into some story, and that's why your dreams seem weird sometimes. They take really weird turns. Yeah. So so could it be his brain uh, amalgamating the implant with his own memories, and so people that he's very very familiar with stand out and sort of creep in early into the implant and sort of fade away um, as it as, as the implant is taking hold. Yeah, it definitely could be a case of that. Um, it's 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 tough. I, do, I don't mind that point, though. I mean, yeah. I was well sold on dream or not dream from the implant scene, to be honest, and then to the ending. That was the sticking point for me. Like, I was... I'm on the dream side of the camp here. I, I do think it is all bullshit. Um, yeah. And, and that's a combination between lines of dialogue that are spoken and then their payoff and also just things that happen that feel too convenient for me. Like... Okay. And like Benny, for example, um, the cab driver, him having a heel turn and being a government op is super convenient for me, I guess. You think too convenient? A little bit. Like I, I get that he kind of poached Quaid as he was coming through to get him in the cab there. But after they meet once, the, the second time when they meet where they actually go to where they're meant to go, it was purely a coincidence. He just ran into a random taxi and he happened to have been there. And once did again- Did he though? I'm not so sure that he did. The second time. You have to remember, yeah. you have to remember, Copenhagen is the, the governor of the Mars colony. And as long as the turbinium keeps flowing, he has a free hand to do whatever he likes. So he's got virtually unlimited resources. It's not beyond the reach of the agency to have agents. We don't know how many other Bennies there were. We only know that this one is the one that made contact. We don't know how many other operatives they had in place to carry out this plan. Andrew, I agree that it's heavily con- I agree that it's heavily convoluted. <laughs> I, 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 I'll concede that it seems very convoluted, but the stakes are high. This is the next evolution of the plan to defeat Clotto and end the resistance from Kohagen's perspective. So, of course, he'll go all out and get all his agents on this to make it work. I'm just saying, if everyone on Mars is a spy, who are you spying on? Not, ev- <laughs> not everyone. Of course not everyone. Because <laughs> but the, the agency certainly, certainly has a long reach. Well, so apparently you've said so, this is yeah. Bullshit. You've said this is bullshit. I'm in the camp that it's real. Oh, interesting. And I have been, and I have been for, for the whole time that I've, that I've not known this film. I know, I know the director... Uh, Paul Verhoeven has has said that his interpretation was that it's what was that it's fake, um, and I disagree. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll get into it a bit more towards the end because that's where my point, my reasoning comes up a bit more there. But yeah. um, all right. So anyway, as you were, please continue on. Okay, so uh, Richter chases Quaid through through the metro. Um, in a brilliant scene, Doug uses just a guy as a meat shield. Uh, against the, the hail of bullets coming in. Another great fight scene. All the fight scenes are, are pretty awesome in this. Uh, he, he checks into a hotel um, after he after he evades them, and he gets a call from somebody claiming to be a friend of his, uh, basically laying down. Okay, um, you've got to you've got to get the, the the bug out of out of your thing. These are the steps to do it. Here's a suitcase. Um, come collect it and do your thing. Doesn't say who he is, and, and you know says there's limited time and all and all that. Uh, Quaid makes it to a cement factory out of the way where he watches a recording of himself um, kind of revealing that he's actually an agent Hauser who has had his memory scrambled. He works for Cohagen, uh, but has realized he's on the wrong team and he 
actually wants to help the resistance. Which is a very convoluted um, plan, mind you. But um, it is, and that gives credence to okay, why why on earth would that be real? Of course, that would be you know something somebody has written down, and it's all part of the implant. But again, as we find out later in the film, it's a you know they haven't done this before. This was this was Hauser's plan in order to fool the resistance because because the mutants are psychic, the mutants are Mars that um, Cohagen helped create. Um, they've never been able to get close to Quato because they were always you know found out that they that they're agents. Hauser's plan was to completely erase his own identity, replace it with this new one, and at some future point when everything's in place, it would be activated. He he would be activated. He would get close to Quato. And that would be it. But Andrew, why didn't they just spend their time building a series of robots to take over Mars? Why did they not just do that? That really good idea. Because that's stupid. It is Quite. stupid, isn't it? Uh, that is stupid. It is. It's very stupid. And where did it come from? I don't know. Um, one of one of the reasons I love this film is that you get a very deep explanation of everybody's motivations. Yep. Right. Why is everybody acting the way that they are? What are they doing? In the reboot, there's none of that. It's just, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. They're fighting. Enjoy it. Have fun. You can't. You can't because there's no story. Yep, I agree. The alarm is definitely messy. But this one is deep. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Surprisingly so. For a Schwarzenegger film, mind you. That's why it's so shocking. They're always clever. I mean... There's, there's the trope that, that Arnie films are dumb, but they're not dumb. They're clever films. He's a smart guy, and he likes a good script. He likes a good story. Yeah, well, apparently so. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't do bad projects. Uh, Even things that are, yeah. that are panned, like Last Action Hero, for the people that love it, they love it because it's so good. Because Last Action Hero was incredible. <laughs> it was. And, and people who don't like it don't like it because it wasn't what they were expecting, which was a dumb action film, which is not what Arnie does. He doesn't do dumb action films. Yeah, just Even like- Predator has, has, has you know, some, some cleverness to it. It's not just a dumb action film. All right. Anyway, we'll keep going. Anyway, maybe, maybe Commando. Maybe Commando. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's always one. <laughs> but Commando's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. In a, in a brilliant, another brilliant uh, prosthetic scene, he pulls out the uh, the tracker from his nose, oh, uh, which yeah. has which has scarred my wife uh, ever since she saw that for the first time. That she had nightmares about that. Yeah, it's not she's, a pretty scene, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and she still has has bad dreams about it uh, uh, to date. Um, oh, setting up anyway, the hologram then, was good. I liked that because I thought they were going to use it a lot sooner than they did. But they wait till like yes, the very exactly last right. thing. Yeah, he's got that little tool. He's got you know ID, which doesn't go into detail. Unfortunately, does in the reboot. Anyway, but we'll, we'll compare them in in the reboot because yep. this is this is all um, standalone stuff. Um, next thing we have is Martian immigration. Um, yeah, this is a jump. Where we this find is a it. big jump for me. It's a bit of a jump. Um, essentially, the Hauser says to him, "Get your ass to Mars." Uh, Quaid is on a um, as he's as he's leaving for the for the hotel. There's another ad, kind of mirroring the the recall ad that he saw at the very start of the film, saying, "Why on earth would you want to do a recall thing? Why don't you travel the old-fashioned way on a, on, on a spaceship?" 
So you can get to Mars quite easily. Presumably there's a you know, weekly flight or daily flight or whatever. So Richter getting to Mars is on the same flight. We're in, we're in, we're in immigration. Um, there's a whole heap of people waiting to get cleared through, but Richter um, and, the, and the Martian uh, you know, Protection Army or whatever they, they call themselves is just bypassing the, the whole thing and, and marching through. Um, and he's fooled them. He's, 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 Arnie's wearing the disguise of the, of the woman, the two-weeks woman. And, uh, well, I mean, which, next week, but they do kind of replay this, almost uh, replay this whole scene in the uh, remake. Um, where you have a very similar-looking yeah, woman going through immigration. Uh, yeah, but it's not good. It's not good, but watching these films right one after the other for me was like, oh, are they going to do... Because this, for me, this is a fun scene, but it was also like, what the fuck? Where did this all come from? And when they do it in the next okay. one, and then they decide, okay, let's do a slightly more practical version of this. Rather, as I, I say practical <laughs> in, its, in its other use and not like practical <laughs> effects sort of way. I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I don't hate the new one because it makes a bit more sense just for practicality sake where the fuck did he get this suit where did he do this you think so you think it makes more sense in the new one where it's just this hologram thing that feels like you could just buy rather than like a full suit of a fat lady like it's so it's so random it's not it's not it's not a suit of a fat lady it's just the it's just the, the mask everything else is hidden under clothes you know you can use Padding and all sorts of things to, to get the right shape. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But, it just felt like but it's all, it's all, it's all hidden under tech. a big thing. <laughs> just some good spy work with a, with a good uh, with a good disguise. If, if there was a human head inside of his suitcase that he could have put on, I would have been absolutely okay with it. If there was something in this, <laughs> but there wasn't. They, they gave him everything in the suitcase except for the lady suit. <laughs> he just has it. It's the future, Sam. Come on. It's fine. Anyway, He's just got it. I'm not dying on this hill. I'm just saying it was random. No, I know. <laughs> so anyway, there's a, there's a brief fight there where Arnie escapes because the the head um, disguised head is also is also a bomb, um, and he makes his way into Venusville uh, to because that's that's the instructions that he that he had from the from the guy. Uh, so he meets Benny along the way, who is his who is his taxi driver. He gets to Venusville. Um, and uh, uh, and he goes to see Melina. Um, yeah. in, a, in a nice little scene, when he, when he first checks into the hotel in on, on Mars, he's, he's got to open a safety deposit box, um, and there's a little slip there saying go to go to Venusville to this particular club, the last resort, um, and written on the back, handwritten for a good time, find Melina. Find find Melina. Now, of course, if you know he. He takes out a pen and rewrites Melina. That's for the audience to recognise that it's his own handwriting. I think it's a really clever scene. Really short, doesn't doesn't say anything other than that. But um, but we recognise the the handwriting is the same, so it's his. Of course, you know, if it was really playing out, he would just recognise his own handwriting, wouldn't he? He wouldn't need to retest it. Well, he doesn't remember writing it, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I yeah. do like this bit too. Just like, just it's, it's just a really clever scene. Yeah, it's a sticking point for my wife, and not for me. I think it's, I think it's clever. And I, like it. I mean, we see the dumb version of this next week, where he has to sign for something, and he doesn't even know what his name's meant to be until he's prompted by the by the guard there, and then he signs and just happens to do the exact signature. My name is Sebastian. Okay? Uh, I, I, I have multiple different signatures that I use depending on what I'm using them for. If you knock me out yeah. and say sign Sebastian, 
there are so many ways I'm not going to write that correctly, regardless of whether I know yeah, my name exactly or not. Right. So that, that felt like a really <laughs> dumb version of the same thing to me. Um, yeah. But this one I like. I like this because he just did the thumbprint as well. So, of course, his thumb's the same. Yeah. You know, like, it is what it is. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so, so there's a brief uh, there's a brief fight with some terrorist uh, uh, attack or whatever as he's as, as he's leaving the hotel as he's leaving the last resort and he goes to his hotel after that. This is at the halfway point through the film. Yep. He gets a knock on the door, and it's you know some, again somebody he hasn't seen before, and he claims he's he's some doctor from Recall. I like this. Okay. I love this play. Yes. As in, like, just this gambit that they're running here. Um, I think it's fantastic. Yes. It's, it's, it's a doctor. He says he's from recall that Quaid is actually still on the table. He's having a schizoid embolism. This is all part of the delusion. The implant has gone wrong for whatever reason, and he needs to break it. He needs to break out of this, out of this thing. And the doctor is there to help him do that. Okay. It works for both the, the spy plot and for, and, and for reality, which one is going on. Quaid doesn't know any kind of just, Keeps the doctor talking uh, to to get it all to get it all out of him. Yep. They bring in his wife, um, who is you know very sympathetic, uh, and says, "Doug, I just want you back. I love you. I miss you. Don't don't do this thing." And the doctor says, "You have to follow this pill in order to." So Quaid says, "Okay, suppose I do buy this. How do I actually get out?" The doctor presents him with a pill and says, "Swallow it. It's a symbol." Of what you're going on, of, 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 of you wanting to to exit it, right? So a little bit matrixy as well. Okay, you have to um, swallow the red pill to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually have to do something that you think is risky in order to, uh, in order for your brain to buy that it's that it's really going to have, have the effect that it's, that it's going to have. But uh, Doug is skeptical. And he sees a little sweat bead fall from a, from the doctor, signalling that okay, he's uh, he's worried that he's not going to go through with it, or he's you know genuinely fearful of his own life. And he shoots him in the head and says, spits the pit out of him. And I can't remember what he says. Something clever. Yep. Which uh, this is a great <laughs> scene. I don't want to underplay this one. I love this bit um, because, like you said, it does fit both. If it's perfectly in with both narratives. And yeah. it's quite I don't know, just mentally engaging. Like, oh yeah, it's a really good question. Yeah. Um, same yeah. scene again in the sequel, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, not not bad in the yes, sequel. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, but this was better. I do wonder if they. I, I like that they picked a ran, like a new actor for this scene because if they had picked, say, any of the members from Recall, like any of the staff members that we had seen there, then it would have been to me more in the. This is definitely a dream camp, unless you buy the idea that this evil organization is so far-reaching that they can even just yeah. employ these random people from Recall to do yeah. their bidding today. But having it be this random but at person, the same time, But at the same time, the, the staff at Recall were just technicians and the salesman. He didn't have an interview with a psychologist who this doctor claims to be. Yes, correct. And it's, and it's, and it's feasible, again, that if there was something that had gone wrong, they would send for the psychologist, you know, the franchise psychologist, and it would take some time for him to get there and set up. Well, and, and exactly you know, and how fast do things move in a dream, effectively? Like, it could have been yeah, exactly, two minutes exactly in the right. real world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, God, we've been along for the story for an hour at this point. So, you know, if, if, if Doug has only seen what we've seen, 
because you know dreams move that quickly, then it, then it only has been an hour in real time. And they did find and him and in this hotel yeah. room. And mind you, he's got the tracker out, and they found him exactly in his hotel room when he checked in under a name that wasn't his own and everything. So there's a lot of things there Which, kind of add up in a way, in one direction, I would say. But that's true. But it's also it's also the case that Copenhagen's you know spy agency. Um, has members everywhere, and they recognise Hauser. Of course, it's not, he's not hiding his face. Uh, he may be signing in under a different name into the hotel, but you know he's not going to be invisible on a it's small colony. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love how Bible anyway. yeah. each side is because the film is just very well crafted right? down that middle line. Yes, because I can't exactly argue with right. anything you're saying. Like it's all <laughs> true. And, and and neither can I with you. It's all perfectly plausible. And that's why the the debate is so good as to whether it's real or not, because I don't think you can ever solve it. You would just convince one way or the other. Yep. Uh, so there's a fight, of course. <laughs> I like how we've, this is a long review for us, and we're skipping all the fights, which, mind you, probably is about 45 minutes of the two hours of this movie, and we're still going, because the plot's so intricate. <laughs> It's a clever film. That's it exactly is. right. There's a lot that there's a lot that happens, and there's a lot of clues that that are subtle enough that um, they can be missed the first time you watch them, or uh, or they just they, they just stick out as these little okay. If, if if everything's real, then why is this happening? Or if everything's fake, then why is this happening? But I just love the can, fact that you, you could cut almost forty minutes, forty-five minutes out of this film if you just excised <laughs> all the action, and that's an hour and twenty roughly of film. And it's still, it's got, it's got enough back, like plot and stuff going on in the background that it's still a fully fleshed out film. Like an hour twenty is nothing. That's not, um, that's not which, long enough in theory for this kind of plot. But yep. Here we go. Like it's, it's working. Which, which I guess is, is, is why when when uh, you know the theatrical releases were cut down as uh, from the gore and the action as much as they were, you still had a film that was wildly popular. Yep. Exactly. So there's a there's a there's a fight. Doug loses that one, and they're hauling him off. But as they're getting ready to um, take him down the service elevator, Melina pops up and basically shoots everybody. There's a little fight with with the wife, and an excellent line uh, <laughs> when when uh, Laurie is the only one left, and she goes to grab the gun to kill Quaid. He kills her and says, "Consider that a divorce." Great line. Aww. It's always sad to see Very marriage clever. fall apart. <laughs> so from here, it moves fairly quickly. Um, Cahagan seals off the seals off the sector where everybody is, uh, meaning that um, he, he's cutting off the air supply to to the mutants in order to to try and catch catch Quaid or, or kill Quaid anyway. Um, so I mean, in all of this, he, he deserves Quato, which is important for the film, but we can brush over it here yep. because all Quato says is, "There's a reactor, and you know, do the thing that you're that you're here to do." Essentially, yep. You know, you're not you're not who um, who somebody else says you are. You are the person that does uh, you know whatever actions you do define define who you are. Um, so let that so let that play out. Let that be who you are. Which is a I always love that question. So if I, Sebastian, went on, I snapped one day and went on a shooting spree and killed 10 people, okay? And then got some head trauma 
and when I came to, had no recollection of the last 20 years. Ah, I then yeah. tried for the murder of these people, which I did do. Like, I'm guilty. I did it. But the Sebastian that's on trial has has no memory from the last two decades. Yeah. Do you, Interesting question. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, do you go through with the punishment? Is there merit to imprisoning someone who didn't make that choice in theory. Like the body was the, the, the was there to make the choice. The body went through with it, but mentally you're punishing someone who's not done the, the incorrect thing. Like the Sebastian right. that did the murders is effectively gone. Like he's dead. That he yeah. Never, yeah. And it's kind of that same kind of question. I've always like, I, I always do wonder when it does come to like actual crimes, if the person has suffered so many, you know, whatever on top of it after it's all happened that they have no, yeah, attachment to it all, how that would be, how would that proceed? And it's kind of the same point. Like, you're the person you are right now, not necessarily the person that you were yesterday, especially considering you don't know who you were yesterday in that sense. That's right. So it's, it's a nice but little moral you, quandary. I really, I love that question. Yeah. yeah. It's um, but you do, someone has to, someone has to own your actions. So someone owns the consequences of your actions, well, I should say. The great one, um, I'm assuming you've seen it in Memento, the Christopher Nolan film? Yes, I quite like Memento. Yeah, and that asks this question, very similar to what I just posted, yeah. on a bit of a smaller scale, because it's not you know, a fucking mass murder, but it is the question of, hey, if I don't remember killing my wife, did I kill my wife? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, um, Quaid meets up with, with Quanto, who essentially tells him, you know, do the thing that you're meant to, that you're here to, to do. Um, but the stronghold is, um, the rebel stronghold is, is raided, and we find out that Benny has betrayed everybody. So Hagen uh, takes Quaid up and shows him that he's, you know, shows him another video of Hauser talking about it and saying, no, I'm actually a double agent, you idiot. Um, of course, I'm working for Cohagen. He's actually a terrific guy, and you'll have all the pussy you want once you get that stupid Doug Quaid out of your head and just fuck all the mutants who gives a shit about what's going on on Mars. Yep. Paraphrasing, of course. None of that is verbatim. Oh, I think part of it was. Quaid and Molina, <laughs> Quaid and Molina escape. Um, Cohagen orders his execution, um, and also... Uh, um, quite, quite Molina head for the reactor uh, because at, at this point they've they found out from Quieto that the reactor will release air into the Martian atmosphere. Um, if it was constructed by aliens, that Cohagen has kept it off because he's uh, because he's greedy and just wants to control the the air supply, and he knows exactly how it's going to work. Uh, there's a face-off with Richter where the hologram is used um, for the actual enemy in a really brilliant scene. Another great fight. Where you've got holograms, uh, you know, playing out. You don't know. I mean, we know who's, who's real and who's not, but it's it's just it's a great little fight scene. That's it's another take on a on a fight scene that isn't just people shooting at each other from behind barrels. I will say though, when they shot the hologram, they definitely should have like the soldiers should have shot each other. Like that's what should have happened. They should. Which, they do. They do when, when Melina has it. She comes up between two guys and they, and they shoot each other as she disappears. Yeah, but not when the Quaid ones. They, they uh, just... Yeah, I, yeah, I know. It's, it's like everybody's sitting around in a circle, you know, and yeah. they, they, all, they all shoot through to the, the centre to the, to the other guy at the end. But I'm having fun. The point is movies, <laughs> movies will always make mistakes. And yes, it's kind of our job to 
point out those mistakes. But honestly, if we're having fun with it and they fuck up, we're still having fun. It's a problem when a movie is, not not this movie, but a movie is bad and then it makes another mistake that it's just, it's nails on a chalkboard for us. So that's right. I want to say, I want to say yes, they fucked right. up, but also I don't really care in this instance because the movie's given me such goodwill up until this point. It's nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they, they have the face off with, with Richter, um, uh, who has his arms chopped off in an elevator accident, and it's great. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, there's no there's no clever line. Uh, he just says, "See you at the party, Richter," uh, which which is fine, you know, because that's that's how Richter left him uh, after uh, I discovered he's, he's actually a double agent or whatever it was. And we get to the reactor, and Cohagen's there. Yep. There's another little face off with them and Cohagen um, uh, he, he, he tries to destroy the, the interactive um, finger thing uh, to do it uh, and what's his face Quaid uh, throws the bomb out the window break, breaks the dome and immediately you have air blowing out and doing that in amongst all that Quaid as uh, Cohagen is telling Quaid I don't know what this reactor does I don't know that it'll make air. For all you know, it's going to it's going to destroy the planet. It's going to react with the turbinium. It's going to cause a chain reaction. It might blow Mars up. I don't know. That's why we've kept it off. Yep. Uh, one of the reasons why, why why we've kept it off. To hell with all that. Cahagan gets, gets gets blown out. Quay manages to activate the damn thing, um, and we see these in that huge cabin. A picture of which we saw at the very start of the film when he was at Recall. It was kind of flipping up in amongst all the other alien images. Is this the, the, th- the three-fingered um, hand thing? Yeah. Oh no. Yes. Yes. One of one of those, and also the the cabin where you've got those blocks that heat oh, up yeah. and sort of pu- push into the ice. Um, and then Melina and Craig get blown out as well, and they have their their face going all weird. Um, the reaction works. Uh, there's plenty of air everywhere. Blue skies open up around Mars which was another little quip yeah. um, that, that we overheard uh, at Recall at the very start. Yep. Um, in a blue sky Mars. Oh, that's a, that's a new one. So again, another, another clue that it's all part of his subconscious, you know, kind of, you know, making sense of all those little memories of all those little details in amongst this, this implant. Uh, and he saves the day, he gets the girl, fulfills the entire story point uh, the, the entire plot of, um, of of the spy story it was laid out by the salesman, and finishes off with them, you know, kissing in the in the sunset, and it fades to white. Yep, brilliant, loved it. Great was time. it real or not? Yeah. <laughs> and was it real or not? My my take is that it's it's not real. And I just, okay. there was, I mean, starting from the very first, um, the, the, the one of the first scenes at. Uh, the recall lab is just so many things prior to him even sitting in the chair were laid out that they would be part and built into it. The fact that he literally constructed the woman that he would be his love interest as well. Yes. Yes. There's just too many things in that one scene that all happened. Okay. Edgar Wright, my favorite director will in most of his films on all of them, he will do a scene where he kind of lays out the plot for this entire film going forth. There's that little famous one, Sean, the dead sitting in the pub and they're just talking shit to each other and they end up step-by-stepping laying out everything that's going to happen in the film. In that time, in that situation, it's kind of like an ironic foreshadowing and that doesn't play. I never once think that Ed is psychic, you know, (laughs) but (laughs) in this film, it's the setup is so different. The fact that they're literally going through and planning it. There's a line, 
you know, you'll be, you know, you could be an agent for this or an agent for that. Um, save the world, get the girl, you know, blue sky on Mars. Like the fact that he's even acknowledging, like that's a that's something that that's a new program, a new thing that we've added in recently. I haven't seen that one yet. You know, there's yep. so many little tidbits that are thrown in that all pay off. That it just for me is so. It, it falls too much in that one camp for me. And this is not a complaint. I, I can still see every other aspect for how it could be real, but there's just too many coincidences that if, okay, for me, if it is real, that's too many coincidences for, for it to be good. Like that's an annoying amount that it feels like, no, you've, there's too many payoffs for it to have been that other answer in that way. Um, okay. But no, I'm firmly in that one. Just purely because of that, and also just the timing that that scene where he actually had you know he's hooked up, and you see like the liquid moving into his arm, and the second it hits him, the whole story flips into spy movie. That exact like they, that scene was orchestrated so perfectly that it's like they're like get it out of his arm, blah 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 blah, whatever it was. Oh no, I'm thinking of the wrong movie, aren't I? I've mixed them. Uh, no, this, I, I think there are elements of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly mirrored in, in this one. Yeah, he he lies down and thing, and for all intents and purposes, he's actually under. But there's enough ambiguity that you can say, okay, maybe he maybe he wasn't. Yes, and the fact is, they're, the, they're worried that they've triggered a memory. So obviously, even if they if it was yeah. real and they have triggered this memory, they've gone into his brain enough to start the process. So in either way, I, I feel like. It, have, it was enough time for either it to start the dream or to, to trigger the actual memories, the, like the real ones. Now, I will say for all those for all those points as to why it's fake, I will counter that they are exactly the points that we have when we're criticising a film that it couldn't be real. Like, I'm, I'm talking about films in general, that this is, you know, stories work in this way because... That's very that's very pleasing to an audience. Films have to be a little bit unbelievable. They have to be a little bit coincidental um, for the for the story to work. Because when you're reading out an actual account of what happened exactly as it did, it's very dry. It's very boring, and nobody enjoys that, right? Yep. So I would say that all the criticisms you have of that is exactly the criticisms we have of films in general. And so, this being a film, of course, it isn't real. Right? because it is just a story imagined by, by by someone. But in the film universe, it could really have happened because that's how films work. Yep. In their own universe, this is how things play out. We do have heroes. They do meet up with the people they, they need to do, and they are challenged in ways that seem impossible to, to overcome, and yet they do. And that's why we have the film, because this is the person that overcame that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not that the plot itself for me is so outlandish that it makes it a dream or, or a memory. It's not, none of that. So I can accept in terms of like it's an action film. Here are the conceits that we make going into them. So I can watch it on that sort of yeah. meta level. It's honestly, it's just, like I said, I don't want to harp on it. Just for me, it's too many coincidences <laughs> for me to ignore in that way. Um, especially like, like they literally tell you the ending of the movie in the first 10 minutes and then it happens. And I'm like, Okay, with the idea that they but you were... know that's where it's going. That's that's not a surprise, and, no, and it's no, not a spoiler. Not. You know that's going to happen. No, no, and of course I do. But the fact that they're all, the ending of the film is also the ending of his simulation, and then they all sync up as well. It's like, well, I mean, what are the chances if it was real? What are the chances that the scientist that that nerdy one with the glasses would make the blue skies on Mars comment as the ending? Like, 
what are the chances that he'd say that and it would actually happen for the first time ever? Like, that yeah, for me that's, is... That's true. Yeah. That's true. But we're also watching a film which plays out in a particular way for the audience. So you can't, you can't use what we see as an audience as a literal interpretation of what Doug Quaid is seeing and how his memory of it is playing out because it's, it's twisted to be a narrative. It's not real life. I so do we, have wonder, to, we have to suspend all that in order to enjoy the film. Yes, and I did enjoy it, I should say. I do wonder, yeah. with their plans of doing a, a sequel to this with the, minor, with the Minority Report story starring Schwarzenegger as, as Doug Quaid, I have to ask, were they, they, would, they would have to have been committed if, to doing like an actual outcome at some point, right? Like, it was a dream or it wasn't a dream. Because if yeah, his character continues on, you'd either then be committed to positing is all the minority report a dream or is, no, no, that was real, but this part wasn't and stuff. I'm, I'm genuinely curious mm -hmm. when they were making those plans, what they were going to do. Because I can't see a minority report, at least from the, okay, I've not read the book. I've only seen the, the Spielberg film. Um, okay. I can't imagine how that story would, how, how you would intertwine our, is this reality or not thing as well. Um, but I will say in Minority Report, there are psychics. That's a thing. So, and there are psychics That's in true. this film, whether they're real or not. So, I don't know. You, you could do it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, did you want to move to verdicts, Andrew? Or do you have any other things? I think that's a good idea. Okay, let me hit the button. You've heard the good, you've heard the bad. A lot of opinions, a couple facts. It's verdict time. No shockers here. This is a great film. Like I said, it's like two hours long, so you have to put some time aside to actually watch it. Um, but it doesn't feel like two hours. Next week's film feels like twelve hours on the other side, so that that's different. Oh but, my god! Um, <laughs> no, it's it's great. Arnie's good. He's actually quite tempered down. He's not your your shouting crazy slogans, Arnie. In this one, he is a well thought out and considered character, and performance wise, very solid. So top to bottom, I'm happy with this. Yeah. Great villain, great story. The fact that. I'm I'm leaving. Okay, I still think, like I said, I think it's a dream, but I also don't think Andrew's wrong when he says it was real. Like that's how good this film is down the middle. So, and I think going in, knowing that you're going to be watching a film where you can't tell exactly if it was real or was a dream, will make for a really interesting cinematic experience because you can try and piece things together as you're going. Which for me is that 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 sounds like a fun time with a movie. Like I see some people being stressed out by that, but I wouldn't be. Um, so I reckon, yeah, give it a watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, the, the thing I think that is best about this film is that it remains ambiguous. It, it never answers the question. I'm, I'm glad they never made a sequel where they definitely have to pick a side as to whether it was real or not, because the ambiguity is the thing that makes this film interesting. Yep. You know, 30 years on, we're still talking about it. It's still not resolved, and you can't resolve it, but we're still talking about it in a way that uh, keeps the whole thing alive. Um, it's a very entertaining film all, all the way through, but I think the, the thing about it that is that is best uh, is that it stays in your head afterwards. You know, when the movie is over, you're still thinking about it. Yep. Which and you're still talking about it. And, and, I've, and I've seen it multiple times. I don't think there will ever be, you know, a moment where I'm, where, where I'm done and I've had enough of uh, the 1990 Total Recall. It's so funny. When I think about next week's review, and I, I just thought in my head, oh, I do wonder what side of the fence Andrew's going to be on when it comes to is it real or is it fake? I stopped to think, hey, Seb, what do you think about next week's film? Do you think it was real or do you think it was fake? And I just it just hit me. 
I have no idea because I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a huge failing considering this film. I'm still like, no, I'm genuinely just intrigued by a lot of the choices in it. But next week, I just don't care. I love, and I love Colin Farrell as an actor. He's a, he's great. He's not even bad in that film. I just don't care about his character. No. Uh, right. We'll talk about that next week. I guess we will. Um, we'll, we'll quickly do, go through socials, but um, yeah, we'll make a move, I think. You can find us on Instagram at Second Take uh, Podcast. And if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Second Take Media Review Podcast. Yep. And we do have a website, secondtakepodcast.com, or you can send us an email at secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet me, it's at Bastion underscore James. Um, Jordan, who's not here today. Can, oh, sorry. Yep, you're right. I was going to say, you can technically reach me at A.S. Schossler uh, on Twitter. I have tweeted three times in my life. Excellent. Um, jo- I don't even know how the notifications work. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible is what it is. Uh, Jordan can be reached at Jordan MSPP, and Alex can be tweeted at Alex underscore Dozer, and that is Dozer with a Z. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday with the Variety Hour and then the following Monday for the less impressive version of Total Recall 2012. See you then, guys. Yep. Second Take Podcast is recorded within the Moreton Bay region of Queensland, Australia, and acknowledges this region's original owners, namely the Jinnabara, Kabi Kabi, and Yugara people. Second Take Podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of these lands, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 